Hello and welcome back to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my boyfriend to watch musicals and then we talk about them. I am the boyfriend. I'm Drew. And you are taking me to my first whorehouse. Yes, indeed. I sure am. I didn't even think about it like that. I I didn't. When I I dreamed of this moment, I didn't think it'd be you. (laughs) You're so rude. That took me. So rude. That's (laughs) this whole episode in a nutshell. I honestly don't know what to expect from this one. Yeah, so if you haven't looked at the title of this episode yet, we are watching The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Makes a nice change from Jesus Christ Superstar last week. Yeah, we've gone to the saviour of 2020. Mm -hmm. Dolly of Parton. Dolly Parton, yes. But I really, I'm in two minds. This is either going to be a very sexy musical, Mm -hmm. or this is going to be like a very serious musical set against a backdrop that most people wouldn't usually expect mm-hmm. so it could definitely go either way i don't think this is going to be as fun and upbeat a musical as i'm expecting i feel like this is probably going to have some really fun upbeat numbers but is going to be more like country and a bit more downbeat yeah sure if you say so like obviously dolly parton is a phenomenal singer but she all, you know, things like Jolene show that she isn't just this upbeat nine to five. She can really tug at your emotional heartstrings. Yeah. However, in this, she is just a performer. Yes. She has nothing to do with the making of this. No. But my point is that her voice mm-hmm. is very versatile and you can go from having fun one minute to being really like, oh man. Yeah. The next. Cool. So, Best Little Whorehouse in Texas is a musical. Yes. That was written by Larry L. King and Peter Masterson, and music and lyrics are by Carol Hall, who notably wrote the Christmas Eve on Sesame Street musical song, which I still get stuck in my head because I remember watching that as a child, which I didn't know that until I did the research for this episode. I did not know there was such a thing. There is. It's great. Maybe we'll watch it next Christmas. (laughs) Because it's great. But yeah, she you won't know her from anything, basically. But she's a very good songwriter. It is based on a real-life whorehouse okay. in Texas. It is was it called, the best in Texas? I suppose so. It was called The Chicken Ranch, and it was in Texas. Yeah, just a real place. There's a chicken ranch in Nevada. I know, because like Louis Theroux documentaries... He went and stayed in a whorehouse in Nevada. Is that a thing? Are they all just called chicken ranches? Yeah, maybe. Ah. So maybe that, like, they're called... Is that why they say that in Chicago? Possibly. That That's super interesting. Mother hen and chickadees. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it that's is really just, uh, you know, accepted terminology mm-hmm. for, you know, a whorehouse. Yeah. Basically. So it opened on Broadway in 1978. Oh, so this isn't a film first. This no. is a musical first. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so the film is based off of the stage show. Ran for 1,587 performances, which is pretty decent. It's a nice run. Yeah. And the opening cast included a lot of like very well-known 
Broadway actors for the time. Yeah. So this was a, a big deal. This musical. Yeah, that's did really quite surprising. Well. I honestly wasn't expecting this to be a mm-hmm. Broadway bound, you know, show. I thought we'd be just talking about the conception of the film. Dolly Parton wrote some music because it's her follow up from Nine to Five. Yeah. No, Nine to Five. The movie of Nine to Five isn't a musical. Yeah, I know, but like her follow up of. Yeah, the film Nine to Five. You know, this is her next kind of project, and she's, I guess, amping it up. You know, she's dialing up to eleven. Yeah, that's understandable. Because, like, to be completely honest, when I went to do the research for this, I was like, I knew it was a musical, did not know which one came first. Yeah, but obviously, the stage show came first. It was nominated for seven categories, but only won two because. What was its competition? Yeah. Well, do you want to try and guess which Sondheim came out that year? Into the Woods. No. Company. No. It's not one we Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Yeah, Sweeney Todd won everything. Like, literally everything. And that's the Angela Lansbury one as well. Yeah. So So what did the Best Little Whorehouse in Texas win? It won Best Performance by Featured Actor. Wow, so it beat Sweeney. Yes. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but it wasn't... There wasn't a a nomination for Sweeney Todd in that category. How weird. There, I mean, there just wasn't. And there isn't a nomination. So it also won Best Performance by Featured Actress in a Musical. So Angela Lansbury wasn't nominated. No. For her role as Mrs. Lovett. Angela Lansbury was nominated for Leading Actress in a Musical. They're different ah, categories. okay. Yeah, so Sweeney Todd won Leading Actor and Leading Actress, and Best Little Whorehouse won Featured Actor and Featured Actress. What's the difference between Featured and Leading? Featured is like side character. Okay, I guess... It's like the difference between... Well, it's... I it, actually can't think of a good it's, example. It's... You know, Johnny. It's your B characters. Yeah, it's like Grindelwald versus Grindelwald because both characters in Sweeney Todd played that character. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I guess in Sweeney Todd, the side characters would be Joanna and... Grindelwald. Yeah. What's his actual name? Anthony. I, whatever he was in a... In a the office. Twilight. <laughs> no, I don't mean the actor. I mean the character. The character that he plays... In the, in the office, no. In the office, Andy gets cast as that character. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah, and Andy. Yeah, I think it's I, Anthony. Yeah. So I, basically, yeah. nobody got cast. For but those. no. So I, when you put it like that, I could imagine that either those two characters could be the featured, or possibly mm-hmm. uh, the judge. Yeah. But like, none of those characters are, I guess, as easy to define in Sweeney Todd. Mm-hmm. So, Bessel Whorehouse in Texas wins because of sometimes poor writing for the sub-characters in Sweeney Todd. Essentially, yes. Because, let's face it, if we had a defined character, Sweeney's would have would have swept, like, all the wins. You haven't seen the stage show, have you? <laughs> I've seen it via The Office. Yeah, that doesn't count. No, I've not seen the stage show. Okay. So, we get the Broadway show... Goes to the Tonys, does very well. Not talking about Sweeney Todd anymore. Yeah, no, I mean, just to be nominated is, you know, pretty yeah. spectacular. You look at, you know, the the 2021 Tonys and, you know, even, yeah. the, even the fact that, like, there were 
options for best male and don't, we still only don't had, even start we, we only had one nomination <laughs> you know it isn't a given they're not yeah. just going to put you forward for a tony because hey You're we need there. to feel that yeah exactly yeah. so you know clearly, clearly. <laughs> this show has merit that it got nominated yes so it arrives at the Tony Awards. It's very widely liked. Unfortunately, it was up against Sweeney Todd. This is kind of something we see over and over again when we talk about musicals. It's like, people really like this musical. It did really well. It had quite a decent run. But unfortunately, just the year it happened to go yeah, to the Yeah, but this is it. You know, it's one of the things I found really interesting about social media is the musical man. Mm-hmm. His Music Twitter man. account, you know, yeah. Uh, Oh, has yeah. the 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 non Tony winners, so it's like who is the best Tony winner that was never a winner, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I always find that really interesting, just to sort of see the names that are up there, and you mm-hmm. think, hold on, how is Waitress not been like a winner? And yeah. then you think, well, of course, because it was up against Hamilton, mm-hmm. and it's interesting to see these amazing shows that never won a Tony, and it's it's a shame that you can't have like a you know gold medal, silver medal, bronze medal Tony. You know, here's your silver Tony. <laughs> Because you're the second best show. Yeah, basically. So we get a US tour in the 80s. Yeah. Then a Sydney production in 1980. Then 81 comes to the West End. Cool. And translates pretty well, actually. People here quite liked it, which I think is interesting. I know we've talked before about... Translations, yeah, can be difficult. But I think this is a pretty um, personable show, I would say. And then... It goes back to Broadway in 82, and then in 82 we also get the film, so, which is what we're going to be watching. And we have the film with Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she's the main role, but I know she's a character in it. Yeah. I know this is the follow-up to 9 to 5. Mm-hmm. I think Dolly Parton would... I think Dolly Parton would definitely be of the perspective that she wouldn't criticise you for not calling her an actress. She is a performer. She is a name. Yeah. And she is a choice. I understand what you mean. Yeah. Uh, she She's a very, very awesome choice and a phenomenal performer. But I think, I think I've seen places before where she has said that she is not an actress. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, I, I can't see her being the main role in this one. I think she's going to be like the kind of head of the house. Yeah. Mama. Know. Yeah. Exactly, like she is kind of responsible for overseeing the girls' safety and also introducing the girls to the men. Sure. You know, that I don't see her being the, the person we're going to get the kind of emotional depth from, you know? Mm. Oh, there'll be emotional depth, but like I don't see it kind of being through her world. Sure. Like she's a side character, maybe. I really enjoy hearing what you think happens in these kind of things. Especially when you don't know anything. Oh, honestly, I know nothing about this one, but I'm going to assume that we have, you know, a prostitute with a heart of gold that is, you know, doing, you know, a morally grey job for all the right reasons. Sure. That, you know, wants to escape this world and Mm. ends up falling in love with a client or, you know, something like that. Yeah. And then, you know... I, I think there's going to be hardship in this one. You know, I think there's definitely going to be, you know, people doing this job in mm-hmm. secret and being found out. And, you know, you don't watch The Simpsons, but there's the episode of The Simpsons where they find, you know, there's a mansion and they think like a witch lives there. And it's just like a burlesque establishment. I wonder how many people will know what this place is. 
And will, yeah. that, be, will that be a point in the show where, mm-hmm. you know, the people in Texas find out what you mean it doesn't sell chicken nuggets? This is a, a whorehouse? Yeah. And turn on it. Mm-hmm. I feel like that episode of The Simpsons where then the character's like, we put the spring in Springfield and does that song number, is that that's basically what Dolly Parton's going to do and turn everyone around. So far as I'm aware, that episode of The Simpsons is a reference to Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Yeah. yeah. So, originally, Larry King and Pete Masterson, who wrote the stage show, not the same Larry King that you're thinking of. I'm thinking, yeah. No, it's Larry L. King, okay. but I keep saying Larry King. They were going to do the script to change it for the movie and uh, Pete Masterson and Tommy Tune, who was the choreographer for the stage show, were going to direct. However... Yeah, I saw that the, the directors changed yeah. and Dolly Parton was, didn't get on with the replacement. Yeah, basically. So they... Universal were looking at what they were doing. They were looking at the people that they wanted to be in it. Yeah. And they knew they wanted Burt Reynolds from the start, which is super interesting. But they wanted, like, Shirley MacLaine was up for the lead role. And Universal were like, no, we're just we're going to choose for you because you need somebody who's going to be a big box office draw because we don't think this is going to do well. Um, so they picked Dolly Parton. Okay, so Dolly Parton is the main character. Yes. And during the script reworks like in the process of changing it from the stage musical to the film universal got really nervous about giving it to first-time directors and were like no we're going to replace you two with colin higgins and this is where i've seen that dolly doesn't see herself as a actress because there was a exchange between the pair of them where he was pushing her Mm -hmm. more and more and more and then she basically was like, hold on a second. You realise that I'm not cast for being an actress. I'm cast because of my personality and my name. Yeah. So don't teach me how to act. Don't expect me to do the acting. You do the directing. Yeah. Basically, she was like, expect me to just be me. Yeah. Because I identify very nicely with this character. So this is good casting, but... Don't expect too much. And Burt Reynolds even said that she had a complete nightmare making this movie. She was really self-deprecating in front of everyone. bless her. Yeah, but he said in public. So his point was that, you know, she publicly was like, I'm not doing a good job. Somebody help me with this. But then to the director was like, don't even (laughs) even bother. That's sad, but then at the same time, isn't that... Doesn't that speak volumes for how awesome she is, that she didn't hide that away? Oh, for sure. You know, and the fact that she is always... I I, I look up to her a lot, Mm -hmm. and I know that there's a lot of people that look up to her. Yeah. And the fact that she wouldn't shy away and be like, hey, I had a confidence, you know, moment, you know, where I, I, I doubted myself, but I kept going. She's public in the fact that, hey, I'm not feeling good about myself right now. Mm-hmm. People need to help me. I love it when you have an advocate for mental health in any way where somebody actually says, I need help. Yeah. And the fact that Dolly Parton has, has done that is, mm-hmm. is very, very cool. It sucks that she went through that, but... Yeah, but in an interview again, Burt Reynolds said, this is like later after the movie had come out, he said, the fact that I'd made so many movies and she hadn't, everyone thought it was me that was going to carry this show. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't. And it was amazing to me that she was the one that did that. So, you know, super interesting. Also, Reynolds wanted script changes. He wanted to be allowed to sing. 
and they did not let him sing. So did they cut yes. songs? Oh, yeah. They cut a lot of stuff. So is this one where it's not the same musical? They've cut a lot of the songs just because of who they've cast? Uh, yeah, in a roundabout way. Okay. Kind of what Lion King should have done is just, right, we know we don't have a singer for in Scar, but we cast a really talented actor. So do you know what? We're just going to cut that song. We're not even going to allude to it. We're just going to... Power through. And everyone was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Which they should have cast they somebody sh- else. But, well, you know. I, I think if you're going to do that, mm-hmm. if you cast someone, stick to your guns. We want Burt Reynolds. We're not confident in his singing. So do you know what? We're going to cut those songs. Mm-hmm. I would rather that than put the songs in because ha- they have to be in and they're done really badly. I think you have to give it to them for keeping to their creative vision. Yeah. And sticking to their guns. Mm-hmm. It may not be the best outcome, but at least they stuck to their guns. Yeah. So when they were changing it to be the movie version, they re- they brought in the book of the musical and gave it to Dolly Parton and Burt Reynolds and were like, look, this is what we're going for. However, it is going to be condensed down. We're going to cut a load of stuff, but yeah. we want you to be familiar with this so you know who your characters are. Right. Which is a great idea, I think. That's what and I do with plot, my GCSE students. Yeah. The plot is initially the same with a significant change in how their characters relate to each other. Okay, cool. Which I think is a good idea. So is this a lot shorter than the musical because they've cut numbers? Yes. They haven't cut and replaced. They have literally just got rid of Mm -hmm. okay they cut five songs from the original musical and then added two dolly parton songs okay which is nice and one of them is a duet with burt reynolds so he got his wish he got got to sing but then that song has been written specifically with his voice in mind yeah so it's a better okay so Mm -hmm. how was this film received critically on release pretty well it opened Obviously, in July of 1982, it earned 11... How many zeros is a million? One, two, three, four, five, six. Right. It earned nearly 12 million in its opening weekend, which is pretty decent. However, Dolly Parton was paid 15 million to be in this movie. So it hasn't. (laughs) Wow. It kind of hasn't performed very well. However, its budget was 20 million. So... Five million was on everything else. Yeah. Jeez. But worldwide, it earned 69 million. Okay, so it... It It made its money back. We're fine. For that weekend, when it opened, it ranked number one in the US box office, dethroning E.T., which had, at that point, had a six-week run as top of the box office. And it was the biggest weekend for a musical film ever. Nice. And that 69 million is domestic. Cool. Yeah. That's not even like taking into account anywhere else. So it's 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I think is a, a pretty accurate way to describe how critics... This is a Marmite musical. Yeah, basically. One of the quotes that came out as the movie was released, like opening weekend, they said, if they ever gave Dolly Parton her freedom and stopped packaging her so antiseptically, she would be terrific. However, Dolly and Burt and the Whorehouse never got beyond the concept stage in this movie. So based on the things that they cut, people thought they have toned this down so much that it just isn't as enjoyable as it should be. Okay. 
What's... Personally, I really like it. Yeah. What's your history with this show then? You know, was it just a film that you saw or...? So, there was a TV show when I was a kid that I used to watch with my mum called Ghost Whisperer. Yeah, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah, and there's an episode of Ghost Whisperer where they go to the house that Best Little Whorehouse in Texas was filmed in okay. because the ghosts of the girls are still there. And, like, in Ghost Whisperer, Weird. they're not supposed to be the girls from the musical. Yeah. It's just like, oh, this house was used as this. Okay. So Ghost Whisperer is kind of set in the same universe yeah. as Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Well, this, you said this is based on a real... Yeah, it's based on, like, a real concept. Yeah. So, anyway... Jennifer Love Hewitt shows up and the ghost of one of the girls is there and she was like horrifically murdered because that's the plot of Ghost Whisperer. Like all the ghosts died horribly. Yeah. And I was watching it and I was like, mom, that ghost looks like Dolly Parton because <laughs> they dressed her up sort like in like a blonde wig and yeah. everything. And I was like, she looks like Dolly Parton. And my mom was like, oh yeah, it's based on this musical. And then we watched the musical. So yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> That's so, a really roundabout way of getting to that, but yeah. The final question I have before we do go Wrap to up. the best little whorehouse in Texas. Mm -hmm. What is the legacy of this show? Simply because I am shocked that this was a musical first. You yeah. Know, I think the biggest revelation you've told me is the fact that this wasn't a film first. Yeah. I can't see a show like this working in present day. I can't see a show like this having a permanent residence. No, it tends on to Broadway tour. West. But even that, the fact that I usually seem to know these things. I know that they're a film first and then a show or a show then a film. Mm -hmm. The fact I had no idea about this one. Does it still get performed today? Like, what's its revival status like? So far as I can find, the last time it was performed was in a Broadway benefit concert. And it was just, like, a couple of the songs from it was about five years ago. The last time it was performed as a show was in 2011 at the London Fringe Festival. So, yeah, Fringe. Yeah, being... and then before that, it was 2001. They got a US tour. So this is an every 10 year thing. So maybe yeah, 2021. Is the revival. Is the revival yeah. year. Maybe somebody out there will be listening to us talk about the best little whorehouse in Texas and think, hey, we should probably dust out that whorehouse and uh, open it up for business. Yeah, we should do that one again. Okay. I'm, in, I'm in, intrigued to see this one. I guess the Simpsons will have preempted a lot of my knowledge of this one. I might watch it. This might be like... You know, the whiz where I have a eureka moment. I'm like, hey. Oh, I recognise this. I recognise yeah. this. You are definitely going to recognise one of the songs in this. Okay. Because it is a very famous Dolly Parton song. And this is where it comes from, basically. Jolene? No. It's not Jolene. That would be hilarious. What a great use for it is in a movie about prostitutes. Yeah. Well, I'm ready. Mm hmm To go off to the chicken ranch. Yep. Gonna find... I don't know what the segue <laughs> I can make for this one. I don't think there is a segue. There is a segue. We are off to Dollywood. Yes, indeed. And we're going to have us a Dolly Parton good can time. Can we go to Dollywood on our honeymoon? Like, please. I know we're not even engaged, but like when we get married, Dollywood. Elena said she'd give us a tour, you know. Please. So we'll go to Dollywood. We'll make it work somehow. Yes, please. That would be amazing. We will see you all very, very shortly.
We are back. What a roller coaster of emotions that was. What a wild romp. I think I was right in my assessment that this would be a fun musical, Mm -hmm. but also one that had some real heart to it. That it wasn't just going to be like two hours of hilarity. Yeah. I, I got it right that... Dolly Parton was playing the head of the house. Yes, indeed. Which I'm, I'm pleased with. Like, yeah. I, and I got it right that there was kind of romance subplot to it. Mm-hmm. It was a really, really fun show, I think. Yeah, I enjoyed this one. I forget, and I said this to you while we were watching it, I forget how much I enjoyed this film until we're watching it. Yeah, definitely. I, I think because it starts with such a cheesy tone, you know what you're watching. Mm-hmm. Because the very first thing we get <laughs> is pervert Fred yeah. turning, breaking the fourth wall. We're like, well, it's, I'm going to tell you about the best little whorehouse you ever did see. It was the best little whorehouse you ever did see. It saw. was the nicest little whorehouse. <laughs> so I forgot about this because obviously we have uh, Officer Fred is our narrator. For this and he's talking in hindsight and oh my god well, this is it so we we are panning across pictures of the whorehouse we are seeing some some bottoms yes and we see a viewfinder type of thing yeah and he picks it up and he looks directly at us and he says it was the nicest little whorehouse you ever did see with a really like cheesy he has the grin on his grin. face yeah. and then he goes and he looks into the viewfinder Mm-hmm. So yes, and 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 I think the best thing about it is the fact that it's accompanied by like wholesome jewelry box esque music. Yeah, because it just it it's almost like you're in Granny's house and she's got her magical little jewelry box that has a little ballerina on top and that music's playing. Yeah, except it's, <laughs> it's pictures in, of the yeah. best little whorehouse in Texas. There's a really awesome transition as well from the celluloid to real life. Mm-hmm. We talked about it with Meet Me in St. Louis, how much I love shots like that. But again, so we have the two pictures together and they just cross into each other and then mm-hmm. seamless. Oh, so, so, so good. Yes, we get a brief history of the house. Yes, with 20 fans. Yeah. Very this cool. house is obviously... You know, been around through a long time now. I honestly thought, and we didn't touch on this, I had the assumption that this would be in the 1800s. Yeah. I was thinking kind of Red Dead Redemption, you know, cowboys, etc. I did not expect this to take a turn where it's like, and hey, look, soldiers from World War One came back and they went and then <laughs> they took their children who survived they World sent War their II. Sons. Yeah. I was like, wow, okay, so this is modern. We see them having the parties with the jukebox. Yep. And yeah, this is not modern, but set in 49. So, so a lot more modern than I was expecting it to be. Mm-hmm. One of my favourite things is is all about like the the currency worth and like the lend lending of it so oh yeah 
they talk about how during the depression people couldn't afford to pay for the services of mm-hmm. of the women at the the house. Yes. So they traded chickens. Yes, and that's how it's got its name of the chicken ranch. Yes. I just I thought that was, you know, funny. It is I'm funny. assuming historically accurate because yep. you said this is based on real. Yeah, I think this is a really fun little opening. Yeah. We learned that over three generations have been a part of this history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's existed peacefully until seven years ago. So we now know that Pervert Fred is telling us this story yeah. from the future. And we meet Burt Reynolds, who I think really does look like a sheriff. Mm-hmm. I think you can see the Stranger Things influence, like where Hopper was really 100%. like... hundred percent. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you you can see the aesthetic they're going for. Like, this is the definitive movie sheriff. And this is how we are going to to adapt the role going forward. We learn that he's cool, you know, that he will he can talk through anything, but he does have a fiery side and what better demonstration than him trying to talk a mule off someone's car. Yep. The mule obviously isn't listening, so he gets his gun out and he shoots it in the air and the mule runs off. Yes. Nice simple introduction to Edel. Edel. Move on. Mm-hmm. And we also learn that the Ranch has been passed on because the original owners have died. Yeah, the original owner is Miss Waller Jean, which is a name that Dolly Parton likes to use (laughs) in other things. And has passed to the best of girls. Yes. Miss Mona. Yes, indeed. Who is Dolly Mm. of Parton. Yep. And she wants to keep all the traditions that we had. Yes. With Miss Will Jean. And we go into a really nice song that sets the tone for what the ranch is like mm-hmm. under her rule. With a little old Biddy. I couldn't remember the rest of it, but I think <laughs> Sam was in the name. It's a little old Biddy pissant country place. Yeah. I think this is an excellent introduction to the current world mm-hmm. of this show and especially the character of Dolly Parton. Uh, the girls all look very different. You feel like you have something for everyone there. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a repeated line of nothing dirty going on here. Mm-hmm. They're all about respect. So even though uh, people would have a preconceived notion of what a whole house would be, Mm-hmm. clearly there's more to it than what your impression would say. And and there's a, a set of rules that you said you were going to quiz me on. I didn't write them down. Uh, do you want me to tell you the rules? I would love to know the rules. Well, so first of all, people aren't allowed to drink. Yep, that at makes sense. the ranch, which, so that it's a quiet crowd. Yep. And she won't hire married girls. Good. Because um, they've got husband, and she says they don't understand about a thing about a proper business, which is really funny. So her rules for the girls is: you keep your language clean and your bedrooms neat, yeah. and you don't hang around in the town cafe or say hi to men on that the street. With you, mind your manners, and you don't need any other tools. And and when I ring that bell, you come. Yes, and she says you're not allowed to hang around in the bed. 
So when the bell goes in the morning, you get up. You're not allowed to lie in. Yeah. Which is really funny. She says she doesn't tolerate people using her telephone for their own business, which is really funny. No tattoos, because they're tacky. Yeah, they're not branded like cattle. Yeah. Keep your mind on your work and your responsibilities, and you don't let your mouth overload your capabilities. Yeah. So don't say that you're better at sex than you actually are. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> like, that's really funny. And I think also don't try and undermine someone else mm-hmm. for a client. I think it's a really nice introduction. You get the sense of community. Yeah. That this isn't just a... Because she mentions, you know, we're not pimps. We, we detest the word. Yeah, we don't need a pimp. Yeah, and I like that, that. This isn't, again, your kind of preconceived notion that this is a really seedy establishment. This looks very respectable. When you see the shots of them outside, they're mm. dressed, you know... Appropriately. Like, yeah, appropriately, like women would be dressed over the time. But when they're inside for their parties, obviously that changes. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they are garishly attracting people. Yeah, people just know of the establishment and they come of their own volition. Yeah, I think she comes across as a really approachable boss. She's like, if, if I'm doing something wrong, tell me. But, you know, there's the door. So it's kind of like, I'll listen. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, I don't I don't take it to mean I'll listen, but I won't do anything. It's like, I'll listen. If we can't work it out, you don't have to stay here. I won't force you to stay here. I think it's more, um, you could, if you want to tell me that I'm doing something wrong, that's fine. You do that, but then you can go and pack. Yeah. And I'll see you later. Yeah, but I think it's also just like, I think she would she would listen for serious things. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't think it's one of those things that makes me dislike her character. No. This is a really good and introduction. we established that those are the rules that have been passed down to her as yes. well. My one kind of key critique of this film, mm-hmm. I think other than Jewel and Mona. Yeah. None of these girls have any characters or personalities. And I think that's a shame. Yeah. And, you know, as I always say, there's more of it in the stage show. Because one of the things that they changed for this is that Ed Earl and Miss Mona have been together for a really long time. Yes. And in the stage show, they had one dalliance when he was young and he came to the chicken ranch. And... Then they just sort of know each other around town. They don't, they're not together. I, one of the things that you'd said was that they never kind of get going. Mm-hmm. I actually really felt part of their relationship. Like I, I, I think they've done a good job with that. I disagree with like the, the critical response. I would like, even if it was just one song, that was the girls saying why they're here. Sure. You know, what brings them here? Mm-hmm. It might just be that they're for fun, they're young, why not? But it might be that they have aspirations and they're here for six months. They're going to earn enough money that they can move on and start something. You know, I'd like, I would like more detail into who these girls are because they look all different as well. They clearly have different personalities. Yeah, and some of them dress for different eras. You've got some of the girls that are very, you know, Texas country girls. And then some of them that dress... Like you would see in a music video yeah, of this Yeah, like era. city like, folk, yeah. you know, and perhaps that's the appeal is that, you know, you're bored of what you have in front of you in this town. Yeah. So why not have a taste of New York? Mm. But I just would like more development of their characters because I think there are moments that in this version fall flat because I don't know their names. 
I don't care about them as people, and I think that's a, a fault in this. Mm-hmm. We cut back to Officer Fred, and he says that everything was going well, um, but there's a famous college football game that will prompt some trouble. And we learn that the alumni treat the students, if they win, with a visit to the ranch. Now, that feels very weird. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that as we get there. But what I think is then really clear from the offset, we see Mona at the bank. And we learn that a lot of money from the ranch goes straight back into the community. Yeah. And that the community have no ill will towards the ranch. However, we get a really interestingly awkward interaction between a woman who lives in the town, yeah. who runs the local uh, coffee shop diner. Yeah, it's not clear what it is. They call it a, a coffee shop a couple of times, but it's a diner. Is she the same one we see later? Yes. Okay. And so she comes in while Dolly Parton is putting in her check, which caps out and buys the town softball team their new uniforms, yes. which the woman at the bank is really excited about. And says that the mayor is so thankful as well. Mm-hmm. And because everybody knows that Erdal has a thing with Miss Mona, but that he also has a thing with the the woman who runs the yeah. diner, they sort of are just like not talking, but also they're not being rude to each other. No, they're civil. Now, hindsight, yes, definitely. However, in that moment... I just saw her as a generic person. Yeah, because you don't know who that character is yet. No, exactly. We have a weird introduction to Fred in the the past. Mm-hmm. And he talks to Mona. And she says, oh, you should come back sometime. You should come up and visit us. And he says, no, he's happily married. And he laughs off her invite, even though you know he'd love to be up there. She says to him that the cow loves it when the bull goes off to another field and gives her a break sometimes and he's like oh you're just saying that and she's like uh-huh and then just drives away it's kind of funny and then we go to sheriff owl's home mm-hmm. and we learn that mona and the sheriff are sneaking around together so this is straight away we learn that there is more going on between them mm-hmm. and i think this is good because this is the first time we actually see them interact anyway yeah it's not like we've seen their public face and their private face we're just going straight into what they what they get up to Earl says the best bit is the undressing and yeah. is disappointed that she's already in the bed and then she reveals nope she's still in it and she she says that's the best bit and he goes well maybe the second best bit mm-hmm. I, I feel like they have a very playful relationship yeah I their relationship comes off really well in this scene and I liked it mm-hmm. Mona brings out the romantic in him he has a really funny scene. Now, Burt Reynolds. I don't I don't know if I... Sex I've, icon, right. Burt Reynolds. I don't know if I've ever seen him in anything else. I don't... I, I'm aware of his CV, but mm-hmm. I, I can't think of an occasion where I've seen him. But I, I think similar to Barbara Streisand, he's always come across as having a very serious vibe to him. Yeah. So. I think the only other thing I ever saw him in was Boogie Nights. Yeah. You can imagine my delight when I see him remove his trousers, mm-hmm. put them at his ankles and just shuffle forward. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, great, okay. It's very funny. It is funny. And I'm just thinking, okay, cool. I can get behind this guy because 
he's a bit of a dork as well. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it's it, one of those shows where I think it's, I'm, I'm better off than not knowing much about the person. Yeah. Because he just comes across so awesome in this. Mm-hmm. Like, he comes across very sexy, but he comes across very cool. Yeah. And I don't know if I'd have that opinion if I knew more about Burt Reynolds as a person. Mm-hmm. I might do. I'd, but, you know, that's that's just something I thought was interesting. So this is Sneaking Around. This is one of the songs that yes. Dolly Parton wrote for this. Yes, because they sing it together and I think she's written it perfectly. I don't think his voice sounds bad here. No, this is very nicely written for his voice. Yeah. She talks about how disgusting his boxes are and that she bought him a little something yeah. to kind of spice up and he looks and goes, well, he really emphasis on the little something mm-hmm. and, you know, he doesn't want to, you know, put on... The uh, underwear. It's a thong. It's the, basically a thong. Yeah. And she says, fine, well, I'm going then. And I just thought, you know, like, I really like the gender politics here that, like, yeah. she, how often do you see films where the woman's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go off. I'll see you later then. Or where the woman is objectifying the man. Mm-hmm. You know, like, this is all done for her gaze. Yeah. And I think that's pretty cool. And it's not done in a way that is pressured no because obviously we have the whole uh bridgeton scandal at the moment where we have very famously a woman pressuring a man into sex which is simultaneously really nice to see in media and also completely horrible yeah and here you have an adult relationship where both of them know what they're getting into and they can playfully tease each other yes you know she wouldn't actually leave Like, she knows he's going to say yes. He knows he's going to do it. It's like a whole... That's their relationship. Exactly. And it comes across really well. But it's nicer it's not him. I feel like... Nobody's pressured here. But I feel like if this was filmed with him saying, oh, I got you some sexy underwear, you go put this on, it would come Mm. across far worse for having him tell Dolly what to wear. Mm -hmm. And it was quite nice to see it flipped. She unhooks the phone... And we learn that neither believe in matrimony because it can ruin a relationship. And yeah, this is a really fun sequence. I like it. This is a, a more funny than sexy sequence here between, like you say, two established lovers that don't know actually just how much they mean to each other yet. Yes. Deputy Fred interrupts the proceedings. I keep giving him different names. I've called him Pervert Fred, Officer Fred, Deputy Fred. Oh, is he a deputy? He is the sheriff's deputy at this point. So Fred interrupts the proceedings and he tells... uh, The proceedings? They're not getting married? It's a union of sorts. (laughs) Fred interrupts and says that the mayor wants a meeting and Earl says, well, he can wait until the afternoon. And he goes back into the bedroom and finds that Mona's disappeared. She's out of there Mm -hmm. like a bat out of hell. And he goes and he watches at window and he sees her talking to Fred and explains to Fred, oh, yeah, no, I just was knocking for him, but on the back entrance and he didn't hear me, so I drove off. Yeah. Because clearly, even though people know what's going on, you know, they're, they're still trying to keep some kind of separation. Yeah, really good scene, really good introduction to their dynamic. Mm-hmm. I completely disagree with any, like, critical response that said they never get going. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is the beginning of a quite nice little journey for them. It's not 
you know, like rewriting the book on romance, but it's a nice journey for these characters. Yes. We meet the mayor, and the mayor says that Melvin P. Thorpe is plotting an expose on the chicken ranch, and he's scared of what that will bring to the town. As they basically should be, because they say that this guy is... Essentially, he goes around to businesses working from the consumer point of view. This guy has very clearly got an agenda. Yeah. And he's pushing his agenda and is blind to the facts of it and is blind to the people that get hurt along the way. Mm. I love that every time Deputy Fred interrupts everything, he starts talking about Regis Digest. Yeah. Which is like the TV... Guide, of right? Of time, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and basically he's gaining some prominence because he has brought about change when he fights for something. So we learn that there was a uh, chocolate company yeah. that said four score peanuts and he proved that... They didn't have four score They didn't peanuts, have four score yeah. and they had to change the recipe. So clearly he's gaining some traction. Mm-hmm. Sheriff Edel thinks he has some sway and he says, leave it with me. I will ring people. And he finds that, yes, he has sway. He makes the connections, but nobody wants to get on the wrong side of Melvin because he's America's watchdog. Yeah, he rings the head of the filming studio and the guy answers him and is willing to talk to him. Yeah. And is like, the issue is he gets us more ratings than anybody else does at the moment. Yeah. So it's off to Houston. Mm-hmm. And we get straight into... Do you know what I like about this? There's no kind of filler. We move everything on. Yeah. You know, we're moving the plot on really well. Oh, yeah, very quickly. The door to Melvin's dressing room is great because on the inside we see him shaking hands with someone else. And you see, like, him in character. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. He is a really disgusting, insidious creep. Yeah. And I kind of love it. Sure. I think it's from a, an acting perspective. From an acting right. perspective, I think it's a really good foil for this world. It's really interesting because I think so far everything, even though this is based on a true story, everything comes across quite fantastical. Yes. We don't know in 2021 these people. No. Or in England, anyway, we don't. So these characters come across as story characters and then they introduce this creep and it's like, oh yeah, cool, I know someone like that. Everybody knows a guy like that. Yeah. You know? So we learn, yes, he's plotting an expose and yet here he is putting on a girdle. And we very quickly realise that he is a fraud. He says the line, anything that's phony should be exposed. So he's a hypocrite. Which means I instantly dislike him because we're seeing a private Melvin and a public Melvin. Mm-hmm. Everything about him is manufactured. There is nothing real Absolutely. about him, which makes me hate him because he's he's this moral guide for America. And yet there's nothing moral about him. Mm-hmm. He's you know, he says he's not even from Texas. He's from New Jersey. Yeah, he's he's. I think that's why it's so easy to dislike him because you know what he's about. Yeah. Like you say, you know people like this. I mean, I, I agree. He was he was right about 
the nuts in the chocolate. I will agree with that. That's false advertising. Except you have characters say about that yeah. that they preferred it when there were less nuts because now there's more nut than chocolate. Exactly. And he, do, he doesn't, he doesn't, he just wants to gain a reputation. He wants to become infamous. Yeah, it's got nothing to do with... And it's, so this is the thing, right? I've already said this, but his whole show, the watchdog thing, is based on the idea that he is fighting for the consumer. Yeah, but he's never actually listening to the consumer. Yeah, because you would assume that if he's working from a consumer rights perspective, he would have to consume the product. Yeah. And then he spends the rest of this movie trying to get the chicken ranch shut down. Actually doesn't know anything about what goes on there. Doesn't know about how they actually give back to the community. Or how it runs. Or anything. And are just like, oh, well, it's a sin, so I'm shutting it down. And that's it. Like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. He says to Adele... I'll listen to you, don't worry, I've not made a decision yet on that. We are in the same profession, law enforcement, you the old way and me the new way. You have a gun, I have a platform. Yeah. You you know, even though at this point you, you don't, it's not confirmed, you just know that he's just, it's word service with mm-hmm. him. So we're going to Watchdog Report and you can see why he's gained success. Yeah, so this song is actually called Watchdog Report slash Texas Has a Whorehouse in yeah. it. And, oh my God. Like Oh, he's got the razzle-dazzle down. You know, mm-hmm. he is he's razzle-dazzling the Texans. And you can see why people believe him and are following him. Well, you called him Little Gideon. Oh yeah, he's Little Gideon from Gravity Falls. <laughs> yeah, 100%. He's, he's, he's manufactured this brilliantly. You know, he shouts fellow Texans, no one doubts it, and instantly goes back on his promise to Earl, who is sat there drinking, and he says, we have the sheriff here. He's allowing this to continue, and Ed quietly leaves, because he's like, oh. Yeah, he was sat <laughs> drinking a scotch, and he's like, ah. There's a really great dip. shot. From his perspective, where you just see all the audience just turn. At once. Yeah, yeah that's such a weird shot, because nothing like that ever happens uh, again. Again, exactly, but it works for this. But I guess in this world right now, this is the fantastical world that Melvin yeah. controls. Mm-hmm. This is his domain. Mm-hmm. So he can control them, which he can't do anywhere else. I am going to use, while we're talking about him, to say the character that this... Melvin is based on Mm -hmm. I say character the real human who this character is based on um, was an actual reporter yeah did not like this film and did not like the way that he was portrayed because what he was actually going after was that the chicken ranch had ties to a lot of criminal underworlds yes and this is brought up once in this it's film once, but and never touched again. Exactly. And we'll, t- we'll get to that when we get to that point. But yeah, that's yeah. very interesting. He, um, His real name is Marvin Zindler. And he was doing an investigation into the ranch and did get it shut down. But it was because it was tied to organised crime. Yeah. However, while that is the story... That was on the TV at the time that it was related to organised crime. There is also the aspect of that this was like an empowered 
female-run industry that men felt wasn't okay. Yeah. So, like, take everything with a pinch of salt. Exactly. There's, 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 there's multiple sides to this story, and obviously, mm-hmm. this is this is presented where we want to support the chicken ranch. So, of mm-hmm. course, he's the villain. Of course, he isn't going to like the way he's represented. Yeah. The thing is, this whole sequence does get a lot of negative attention. Yeah. But it's also great free publicity because how many people did not know that Texas had a whorehouse? And how many people travel out of curiosity oh my God. now? Yeah. You know, uh, I feel like it's the sort of thing where you're going to have like. We watched the episode of The Simpsons with the burlesque house after we watched this, just because I did want to see like how much influence is there. And there isn't. But you see. You know, Reverend Lovejoy and his wife and Ned Flanders, Maud Flanders, they're the ones with the protest signs, but there are more people that are like, oh, hey, I could get in on this. Yeah, but it's always, it's amazing what shame can do to you. Well, that's what I mean. So, How many people will badmouth it? And how many people do we see in this film badmouth it? Who have a history there. Mm-hmm. And this is it. You know that you're going to attract some picketers, but how many people will show up and be like, no, I just want to come and support it because I think this sounds great. You know, you might it might be seventy thirty, it might be it might be fifty fifty, but this is great publicity for people now they know it exists. Yeah. We just learned this place existed. Is that from the film? It's from The Simpsons. Oh right. Mona is oh, a yeah. worry. <laughs> so after we watched this film, Danny made me watch the Simpsons episode. Yeah. Which is based off It has got a fun song at the end. Sure. You won an Emmy meaningless so Mona isn't worried because Elle is her protection and I like this that she's just like why am I worried Ed Elle won't betray me Mm -hmm. and yeah you you know they're more than just friends like you know that they just haven't made that connection yet or they're scared to admit it but you can tell that they both mean more to each other than they're letting on yeah Melvin is setting up to film at the courthouse he even bought his own dancers uh, but the residents of Gilbert laugh. They aren't buying what Melvin is selling. Mm-hmm. We get a very, very brief reprise of the Watchdog report. And then Earl shows up. And he is and furious. I just love that everyone's there waiting for him to show up. Yeah, they're, it's like, like, they're not actually interested in Melvin. Yeah. And all the dancers look terrified and they bolt. Melvin yeah. stands his ground and he implies that there is a bribe. Mm-hmm. And some of the people in... The square looks shocked. Yeah, some people react like, what? Yeah. Like, you know, he's a journalist. He would know this in, like, that kind of reaction, but... Well, this would also be, like, early days of this kind of sort of journalism. Yeah. So there's not been a scandal yet, to my knowledge, that would have made people distrust the man you see on TV. No, they they very clearly trust TV reporters and the people who are telling them the news. Yes. You know? Which you should... Don't think you do in 2021, but you should. Mm. Al isn't having any of this, and he just calmly walks towards him. And you see Melvin start to back down. And a great sheriff, he controls it, and he says, this is out of line. You don't come here. You're breaking the law because you don't have a permit. If yeah, he's you, already got two tickets. Yeah, if you want to imply that about me, I will take that very seriously because you don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And the public backs him. Go, Sheriff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, what we don't know is that this is all caught on camera. Yeah. 
Earl and Mona enjoy their evening out. He's her hero. And how many times, I, I really wish I'd, I, I could go back and rewatch this and keep a tally of how many times he says peckers. Mm-hmm. It seems like that's his favourite uh, word for male genitalia. But I think he, it's really funny. But it, it does become funny because it becomes something that that's what he says every single time. And because yeah. you don't hear it so much. I can't remember the last time I had anyone use the term peckers. Uh, Trail to Oregon. Oh, really, do they? You'd have better luck putting your pecker in a cactus. Oh, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. But you don't hear it that often. No, and we should bring it back. It's great. <laughs> So it becomes really notable when he's saying it about every single time. And also, they're talking about aliens. And it's like, they're clearly fascinated with aliens. He's like, oh, but they don't have any peckers. And it's like, why? Why is that Why is that your fixation on these aliens? I guess this, the only thing you've... If aliens as a, th- as a thing haven't been brought up until recently. Yeah. And then the first thing you see of them is a little the little green men. Yeah. You would be like, huh, that's weird. I think in this whole sequence, Dolly is very cute. She's adorable. She's very adorable. And, you know, considering the bravado that we see her with. Yeah. In her previous scene with with Elle, but also when she's running the ranch here, she is a lot more open and vulnerable. And I think it's very cute. She says that Jesus was very sociable with Mary Magdalene. We saw that last week. We can confirm. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Earl confides his fear that Melvin may run for legislator, and that's his dream. He is worried that there's no honest people left, and he just wants to inspire honesty in people. Mm. He's got a very good moral grounding, and I like that about this character. And again, probably for the benefit, I don't know more about the real character, the real man, or Burt Reynolds. Taking the man for how he's presented yes and dolly parton says you see someone without a smile give him yours that would look great on a t-shirt hmm yes it would or like a bumper sticker yeah she says that she wanted to be a ballerina but she can't be a ballerina now she's too top heavy Mm -hmm. which is probably sadly true mona has seen no one except earl so for three years. For three yeah. years. But he also says, I bet you didn't know that I haven't been intimate with anyone other than you in three years. Yeah. So they literally just been waiting around for each other. Yes. It's really cute. It's quite nice to see particularly an adult relationship. Yes. Because they are both adults yes. and it's really nice. Yeah, this isn't like teenagers. This oh. isn't like two like, 17, 18, 19-year-olds. What was the last musical we watched where consenting adults had an open and honest conversation about their relationship? It wasn't Trail to Oregon. No, it wasn't. It's probably like not a long time ago. Because even in like Singing in the Rain, they don't have a proper conversation about it. No, because well, they do eventually, but it, it's not... It's not a conversation. Yeah. He sings at her. It's true. It's just nice. It's nice to see it. It is. It makes a nice change. He says that once you've been with the best, what's the point? And Dolly says that she's been in love with him since she was 16, which I guess implies a dalliance when they were both younger, mm-hmm. you know, and he may have paid, but since then has realised like, oh, hey, I will never be able to find. Yeah. And that's the actual story yes. is that he did, he would have paid to go to the chicken ranch when he was younger and well, it's probably she a rites there. of passage for any, yeah, any charge of that community. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it is what it is. 
We cut to see that Melvin is on Channel 4 and he's twisted the truth. We watch the footage from earlier today from the camera's perspective and there are a lot of bleeps. Yeah. There is no way Sheriff Edel swore that much anyway. No, they definitely... I was trying to figure it out because I, I have a terrible memory. I never remember yeah. much of the films while we're watching them. But I was trying to figure out how much of it was them deciding that what he was saying as a whole was inappropriate. Yeah, or is it just twisting the narrative? I think it's it twisting, was twisting the, the narrative. Yeah. And we get a great line from Dolly Parton. She turns to me and says, that man has made a fool out of you. Mm-hmm. Pretty certain I have seen that referenced on The Simpsons somewhere. Yep. With that kind of same uh, uh, delivery. Yeah. There is now a petition to shut the ranch. Yep. And they can't get the votes to not, basically. Yes. And one of the mayor's aides, he's a businessman. I don't know. I didn't quite catch his title or his relevance, but he says, all he wanted to do was keep it quiet and you've gone and blown it out of proportion. Mm-hmm. The mayor wants to close down the ranch, but L speaks the truth and he says, hey, I'm in charge of this town. Mm-hmm. I will do what I want to do. And then we cut to a shot immediately of him being like, yeah, we need to shut the ranch, which is quite funny that he's like, I know what I'm doing. Stop messing around with me. And there's like, oh, yeah, um, <laughs> kind of need to shut the ranch for two months. We're going to, you know, yeah, I love keep that. it quiet. I thought I it was a really a... nice cut, you know, to yeah. that. It's a really old version of a smash cut yeah. being like, I'm not going to do the thing. I'm doing Okay, we thing. need to do this thing. Yeah. So he advises her lie lie for two months. Mm-hmm. The way they talk about overhead costs and, you know, that this is a temporary measure, you know, to, gave me a flashback to April 2020 mm-hmm. to a year ago. I don't know why. I can't quite figure out why. Uh Uh, So, after they have this conversation... Yes. There is supposed to be a song. So he tells her to shut down the chicken ranch. And then Dolly Parton wrote a song called Where the Stallions Run. And it was written specifically for Burt Reynolds, with him his voice in mind... Um, for him to sing about how he feels about her and about everything that's happening and how the world is changing. Mm -hmm. And instead of putting it in the film, because we're watching just the normal version as opposed to the director's cut, which is two hours, 15 minutes, they pan across and he walks into a field and then they zoom right out and then we cut away to the next scene. (laughs) And that's it. And yeah, that's where the, uh, the song should go. Okay, but it's not there. So she says, I started off poor and worked my way up to outcast during this sequence, which is quite sad, actually, that she's, you know, even everything she does for the community, she doesn't feel like she's ever going to be accepted. Yeah. But she agrees. She says, I trust you. I will do what you say because you're my protector. Mm -hmm. And I know you wouldn't tell me wrong. And Jewel says, but what about the football game? And Mona says, oh, no, I forgot all about the football game. I know. No public customers, but we'll keep the party. It is tradition. Yeah. And we cut to watching the football game. And here's where we see, for the first time, Earl with someone else. And I was like, hold on a second. Why is he with a kid? Who's this woman? Is he married? Yeah, so it's the Thanksgiving football game. Yeah. And Dolly Parton has said to him earlier in the film, oh, are you spending Thanksgiving with, uh, I think it's Dora May or Dalamay, something like that. And he's like, yeah, of course, she cooks me Thanksgiving dinner every year because it's just her and her kid. And Dolly's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. 
because he, yeah, this woman is clearly in love with him. He is fake raising her kid and he just enjoys hanging out with them, but yeah. not in a... Well, she cooks a, for him, doesn't she? Yeah, basically. He's never going to settle down with this woman, basically. No. We watch the girls watching the, the game as well. Yeah, they want the Longhorns to win. It's really funny. But again, like, do you know what? I don't know enough about them to care when they're on screen, which mm-hmm. I think is a real shame about this show. You know, how long has it been since we've actually seen these girls on, on screen? Yeah. I think that that's an issue. It's nice to have a little bit of them interacting, but you're right, we don't get enough of oh, them. Oh, yeah, exactly. I liked these moments, you know, to see that they're actually cheering for the team who they should, you know, is going to beat the team that they should be waiting to receive. Well, so they're both Texas teams. Yeah. So it's two different Texan universities. Yeah. So it's the Texas Longhorns and then the Texas Aggies. And they want the Longhorns to win because the Aggies act like a bunch of cowboys. Yeah. And the Longhorns are polite. Yeah. And they say that that's the difference between them. And they like the Longhorns' colours better. Yeah. And so they're trying to decide which ribbons to put up. You see, that's the thing is, that's what I loved about their characters is their view of the the world is so interesting. We just don't get enough of it. Mm -hmm. So the Aggies win. Now off to the ranch. (laughs) The Aggies win and all the girls are like, ugh. (laughs) The senator backstage says, to hell with Melvin P. Thorpe. I'm keeping my promise. Mm -hmm. We get the Aggie song. And these boys are about to become men. Yep. Which is so weird. Yeah, and as they're going along the road, they sing, you know, 25 miles. <laughs> so, everyone, yeah. so uh, before they get into the how- counting down the miles, one of them says it's better than a football game. And the other stop and go, better than a football game? Like, No, no, it's it can't be better than a football game. Yeah. And they're all like, what are you talking about? That's what about? I mean is it's like, like so silly. They're like, you really, right. You, you have need, never lived, my You friend. need to go to the, the ranch. Come on. Yeah. So it's 75 miles until we lose our virginities for some mm. of them. There's some really fancy footwork in this sequence. I yeah. thought it was really, really well staged. It's nice. We like cowboy yeah. tap dancing. I knew the bus was always going to crash. It was just lucky it wasn't when the towel boy was sitting on the hood of the car. I was expecting... I think he was. I was expecting like the song to stop and a spinning newspaper to say Aggie is dead chicken ranch to blame you know like I wasn't Mm. expecting to actually make it but no they they do make it and we get a really great shot of them in this small farmer's car with them all piled up the smallest oldest looking man who's all like looks like his bones might break just from like turning the steering wheel Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah they make it Mona comes down she looks gorgeous Dolly Parton looks fantastic and they're all cheering. in every scene in this. Yeah. I bet she dressed herself, but she oh, yeah, looks I said that. so good. It's like, I'm sure they had a costume designer, but Dolly Parton always looks like this. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if she had a lot of say in her costume. I wouldn't either. So, you know, her perspective is they're treating this like a graduation for the class of 49. Basically, yeah. And you get a really awesome introduction and entrances from the girls. Yes, and we got a great line while... The, some of the girls were watching the, the football game that Jewel was going around giving them all their dresses yeah. because they have to wear what are essentially prom dresses. Mm-hmm. And the girl's like, oh, do we really have to wear these ball gowns again? It's so stupid. And Jewel's like, yes, it's a graduation-themed party. You know, come on. Yeah. And it's really funny to see, you know, this is their job. Yeah. It, they're not as excited about it as the boys are. No, but like, 
They'll do their job. But, but they, like... they do it professionally. When they mm. come down, mm. they followed Mona's rules. Like, there is no moaning yeah, they're all going doing a really good there. job. They go down, they're happy to be there. The costumes are excellent. I especially love how they can just tear them off. Yeah, the tearaway skirts are great. Um, the choreography in this one is really, really awesome. I noticed that one of the team was dancing with Joel. Does he think that she's his partner for the night? I think that was their adult chaperone. Mm, okay. But they do all end up with a specific girl. Well, we noticed that there were more players than there were girls. Which is really interesting because we then have uh, a later on scene where we see that there is a room where there are two girls and one boy. And one. And one where there's two boys and one girl. Yes. Very interesting. So yes, they all got very, very excited for the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miss Mona turns all the lights out downstairs. Yep. And Fred is doing his patrols. Mm-hmm. And he starts whistling Melvin's song. The Betrayer. I know, right? But it's really catchy, though. It is. He And he then spies the Watchdog Report uh, cars. Yeah. And they're going off to the ranch, so he tells Earl, and Earl is like, well, it's fine, because they're laying low. They, they won't see anything. And Fred's like, no, the Aggies are there. And Earl is like, you can see the steam come out of his ears. Yeah, it's so funny. This is like Burt Reynolds has a really does a really good job of making his face go completely red out of yeah. nowhere. It's brilliant. So this next sequence, I find really uncomfortable. It's entirely distasteful. It is so, but so, from the perspective of they made it this way, you know, yeah. this is all on purpose. No, so Melvin breaks in. He rings the bell. Also, there's chaos. He goes in. He he gets photos of all the girls. And, yeah. And the thing that makes it really, really bad for me is the fact that some of the girls are just like, whatever. But the fact that you have some girls who are clearly like, oh my God, this is, this is humiliating. That I didn't like seeing these girls. Yeah. So there's one girl in particular who comes out of a room. She's blonde. Yes. And she has her towel ripped away from her by Melvin. Yes. um, And she screams. She is actually a character in the mm. extended edition. Yeah. Her name is Shy. Yeah. And she is a new girl to yeah. the house. And she had a whole story arc that they cut for time, which is understandable. Yeah. She's not that important. No. And if you're not going to make all of the girls important, then we don't need. However, here's the thing again, this sequence is played almost for laughs, mm-hmm. which is weird considering it's an invasion from the villain. I think. Would it be as funny if these girls had characters? You could. I don't think it was funny anyway. It, no, that's what I mean. It's not funny anyway. But would this scene have been better received if these girls were characters? Yeah. Would you have a clearer purpose? The um, only humour that I find in this scene is that... Is Jewel grabbing them. Jewel is very, very good at picking out which men are supposed to be yeah. here. She's She pushes a couple of them down the stairs and then... The men who are here because they are paying guests. She's like, you come back now. Yeah. <laughs> like, especially to the weird, so much. <laughs> the, the weird old farmer who's like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. But yeah, that's the only humor comes from seeing the villains getting their comeuppance here. But the, the, the way the rest of the sequence is shot with the girls especially being like uncomfortable at being caught in that state of undress and pictured. Mm-hmm. That 
is not nice. At least we see some of the men shy away from it. Admittedly, it's because he, he, one of them's the senator, and he's like, "Oh no, yeah, my political career." Cupboard, yeah. But at least we see some of the men trying to hide and be uncomfortable. But I just mm. feel like it's it's not for the same reasons. No. And it's this is an uncomfortable scene to watch. It's and, very very interesting. Yeah. From the perspective of we have this song earlier on where Miss Mona says about how well-treated the girls are, how she looks after them, that they're not having anyone coming around here. They clean the men beforehand because they keep a clean house. And we haven't mentioned this before. That was the line I was, I was like, what, what line do I like here? It was hand wash. Yeah, so all the men get personally bathed by the girl that yes. they pair up with. And... Some men say they prefer that yeah. to the sex, which is great, good for them. Um, but it's to stop them from spreading diseases, mm-hmm. which is awesome. That's yeah. a really, you know, forward-thinking yeah. method. And so this place is, like, clean. The girls are well looked after. They're all treated with respect and mm. compassion, even by the guys that come here. Yeah. And this guy, Melvin, comes in and decides that because... They are sex workers. They have no rights. Yeah. And I just think that is very modern and up-to-date yeah, <laughs> and relevant. No, I know. It, it was one of those, that I think, if you really want this scene to come across uncomfortable, great. Like, I think it should. Mm. You you shouldn't be rooting for Melvin. I don't like that this is almost played for laughs. Yeah. Because um, it was quite an uncomfortable He's not made sinister enough in this scene. No, exactly. And I love... Miss Mona goes, she rings the police. Yep. She can't get through. So she goes and get her shotgun Oh yeah, instead. And just as she's about to take aim, Elle comes rocking up and they have an argument. And she says, don't you talk to me about trust. I trusted you to look after us. Mm-hmm. And she raises some really good points about how he uses her and the Thanksgiving family. Yep. You know, that you get your one side of a relationship from me, but you get your other half from her. And you're in the, playing dad to that little boy. Yeah. yeah. In the moment, I think she says something she she proves later on to regret, where it's like you're no better than anyone else. You think you'll be legislator, but you're not an honest person. Yeah. It doesn't so, matter what you do. You say you're going to do all these grand things, but you've never made any change in this town. You're never going yeah. to. And he responds, going, "That's fair. That's all well and good, but at least I'm not a whore." Yeah. Which I stopped you. We stopped at this point, and I turned to you and I said, "Right." The difference between this and a Oklahoma mm-hmm. or a Kinky Boots yes. is the fact that he has said that in response to what she has said to him. Yeah, she, so he doesn't pick this up out of nowhere yes, and it, randomly throw it at her. It's an argument between a couple. Exactly, and I, I maintain that in an argument you go for the you go for the kill shot, you go for what what you can yes. say that will win. They both know exactly what to say to harm each other. Exactly. The most. And it's it's different because he is responding to her now. If he said this first, mm-hmm. maybe I couldn't get on with it. But I think the fact, you know, I felt really sad to watch them fight. They clearly mean a lot to each other. But this is, I think it's a lot more different than other examples where I've been like, I can't get on board with this character anymore mm-hmm. because I feel like this is more real. And you can almost see instantly the second he says it he's like oh no i need i need to go back in time you can see he is immediately immediately, upset by himself yeah so we get a country version this is this is i think the scene you you meant where there's another song 
I think, because this is where I remembered it being the panning shot, him across the field with a country version of I Will Always Love You playing in the background. No, so they put it in again. Okay. It's not the same shot. It's a similar shot, but the song was supposed to be earlier. Yeah, so (laughs) Danny at this point starts making And I Will Always Love You jokes. And he's like, oh, it really sounds like And I Will Always Love You. And I try not to say anything when we watch shows. Yeah. Because I don't want to give away plot points or tell you anything. And I was absolutely crying. I got very excited when I wrote down my note. Country version of I Was Always Love You plays as Earl laments. Mm -hmm. I got very excited because I was going to urge all of you to go back and, and listen and watch this scene and be like, I'm telling like, you. It really sounds I'm like... I'm telling you. Like, I'm not crazy. <laughs> I'm not crazy. And obviously, as we'll learn later on, um, I can't make that joke. But, you know... Absolutely. I, I got very excited because I'm like, Drew, that, that sounds like I will always love you. And I start singing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Drew, seriously, am I am I wrong? <laughs> and you're like, no, you're not wrong. I can hear it. Of course. So we see there's now no entry signs at the ranch. And this is when we get the really weird, like, one-off comment of... Melvin having a report that there are links to organised crime. Yeah. And I just put, it's a fake report. It's never actually given more detail because it isn't important, but I don't trust Melvin to believe that this is real. It's almost like he's just, he's handwritten it himself. There's no actual evidence. Yeah. He cuts to a shot of the senator blaming communism on why he was at the ranch, that he was drugged. Yes, he was and he has drugged by communists. I, <laughs> Incredible. Again, I would not be surprised if that was inspired by an actual press conference, you know, like the, the, the McCarthy witch hunts no, at the 100%. time in America. Like, you could get out so easy being like, well, it's the anti-communists. or you drugged know, the, me, yeah. Yeah, the communists drugged me. They're, they're trying to rob me of my validity. Mm-hmm. We see that Gilbert supports the ranch and we get some really nice uh, interviews with people. We get one from an old man who's just like, hey, they've always done good to us. It's a coming of age thing. Yeah, like I've never heard of a bad situation come out of it. And then we get a woman who's like, my old husband, he's dead now, but he used to love going up the ranch. And every Saturday he went up there and it was a nice break for me. And, you know... (laughs) That was how women were back then. But like nowadays, girls like having sex and, you know, it's a whole thing. But, you know, back then. But there's an implication that maybe she's gone up to the ranch as well. I felt that the way she was saying is like she's probably gone up on a different day and had some dalliances. We then get the... Okay, so trigger warning. (laughs) Maybe cut forward a minute. Yeah. Just just cut forward a minute. Yeah, so there's a, a... one of sexual assault joke made essentially but it's not really a joke no because what he says is if you remove the whorehouse young men will have to look elsewhere so either they will rape or find unclean girls and get sick which and we paused it we've had our conversation about it and uh that's our conversation about it take that as you will yeah however the whole the whole point of this show i i think is that if you have a legalised and safe sex work, like place of yeah. establishment, business, whatever you want to call it, um, that it will be treated well. And that if it's legal, people will use it like any other service. Yeah. And it will be well looked after and, and well treated. It, all it needs is an external kind of governing board, similar to an offset that checks mm-hmm. that the welfare of the workers... Yeah. Is paramount. And in this show, it's very clearly non-corrupt. Yeah. And, 
you know, in the story. And they're taking good care of the girls then, and in turn taking good care of the men that yeah. come to visit. And he... Basically, the point that this random character that's being interviewed is making is that if you make sex work illegal, people are going to do even more illegal things yeah. to get what they want. Yeah. And that's a super interesting take for a movie of this time. It is very, very interesting. And kind of, we were shocked at just how open he was about this. Yeah. I don't think it is the solution. I think, you know, he raises some good points, but I still think, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not the answer. But wow, just to see it said like that was quite weird. I think it's really funny that they left this line in. But when this movie was shown, is shown on TV, they have to censor yeah. all the boobs and butts and things. But this line stays in. Yeah. Very interesting. It is interesting. <laughs> anyway, so trigger warning. We're, we're done talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the way that Mona concedes that she was wrong. I like that she... And I admire that, that she can say to people, I was wrong, I shouldn't have said that. Now, I hope she's tried to reach out to Elle to say it. I don't know if she has or not, but I at least like that she's in no false impression about what's happened. Yeah. We also learned that Houston and Austin are far worse... Mm-hmm. You know, you can have far more illegal things and far more kind of uh, peculiar things. Yes, you can have your bum tickled with a feather. Yeah, but far more peculiar things in a less well-managed area, but no one's talking about them. And I do like the way the guy says, like, I don't have an issue. If people want to have their, their bums tickled by feathers, let them. Mm-hmm. But don't act like one is better than the other. Yeah. You know, and it's nice to see that the men in Gilbert are actually quite, like, progressive. Like, what is wrong with it? It's a... For all of the gender norms that are in this movie, this is a very progressive town. Yeah. You know? It's not like, you know, they look down on Mona because she's a woman and a woman shouldn't be managing this industry. And it's not like they look down on the women for selling their bodies. They mm-hmm. are treated with respect. They are seen as a valued part of the community. And it's very interesting. Earl is going to go see the governor. He's like, do you know what? He needs to hear her story and yeah. I'm going to go tell it. The poor dinner, the poor diner lady, you know, she's like, what can I do? And you can see she just wants to say, I love you. And Earl says, I love Mona. And you can just see that she's, you can literally pinpoint the moment her heart yeah. breaks. How can I tell her she has to go when the only thing I want is for her to stay? Yeah. And this poor, poor Dora May. Yeah. Oh, one of my favourite sequences, though. Mm-hmm. The sidestep. Oh, my God. I will t- we'll talk about, you know, it's becoming more of a thing with this podcast, you know, casting things. Yeah. We'll talk about it later on because I've got some ideas. But like any good politician, sidesteps the question. This song is such a, so great and that we have him go through three different rounds of reporters who are trying to talk to him. Yeah. And he's just, he vanishes. I thought this song would literally just be the first sidestep and then that was it. But then we Mm. get the really fun little limo dance. Mm -hmm. Was not expecting that. I love he does his little... (laughs) Yeah, it's, again, very Little Gideon. Yeah, This is is Little Gideon's dad. It is, it so is. But, you know, obviously we're making jokes at you know, a politician's expense and... Oh, but this song is so on the nose about politics. Oh, yeah, but this is it. Oh, if you haven't... if So the point is, the senator hasn't made up his mind about the chicken ranch yet because he's waiting to see what the polls say. Yeah. And 
So therefore, he can't give a correct answer or He's, an honest yeah, answer. And he just sides. And he does. I tell you what, his answers mm-hmm. are very deliberately vague. They're very well crafted. Yeah, it's the not first got, one. He's not got anyone whispering in his ear telling him what to say. He's clearly no, he's good, at, good this. at this. Yeah, he says. He, so basically, they're saying to him like, "What are you going to do about the chicken ranch?" And he turns around and is like, "What am I going to do?" Well, I just love our country so much, and I love the flag so much. Don't we all love the flag? And and eagles aren't eagles such majestic birds? And then he just gets in his car and drives away, and they're like, "Did he answer us?" Yeah. But I love I love the little dance he does in there. I love the dance he does at the end behind all the yeah. the poles, you know, the pillars, and it's just it's, it's he Scooby Doo's because he goes one way and then comes out another way. Like he it's does, a really silly sequence. He does this amazing thing. So he's wearing a cowboy hat because we're in Texas. Obviously, <laughs> got to make it really clear. And he puts his hat on sideways on the top of his head and then he'll really quickly whip his head to the side so his hat falls onto his yeah. head properly and it's incredible it goes so well he's one of my dance. favorite characters in this and i'll tell you what i really like he's not overplayed no you know he's just he, here this is such a cameo role he is l lets himself in he wants to tell the governor all the facts and he alludes to the fact that the governor does know mona because the governor's been there. the governor's like what and l says don't worry your secret's safe with me i would never do that to you so he knows that everything Melvin is saying is wrong. Mm-hmm. He knows the community depends on her. And he agrees when Earl says the law has to be changed. You can't legislate morality. And he concedes, Earl, you'd be good in office. Mm-hmm. But he sees the polls and he says, I've got to go with them. And we cut to another watchdog report as they celebrate the news that the chicken ranch has to close. Yeah. I do really like, though, how it blends... I'm bored of Watchdog Report by this point. The first one was good. The second one was okay for, like, 30 seconds. So I'm bored of it at this point. But I love the little sidestep in the, the top corner. Yeah, so they're singing... Um, what, what did his, what were his backup dancers called? The Dogettes. Yeah. Terrible name. Um, but they're all singing Melvin Thorpe has done it again, over and over again. And you were like... Ugh. Not this song again. Yeah, and like, then up on the balcony, he starts doing the sidestep and you were like, oh, yay. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. So, Earl, uh, I have to admit, especially because, so I'll read my note. I'm surprised this goes nowhere. Earl exposes Melvin as a fraud by removing his hair and decking him. This is real. Right. He I'm, really did that. Sure, it's real. Um, but again, I'm more surprised that you've just shown that there's something very fake about this man who prides on exposing. Mm-hmm. And the plot still goes the way it does. I thought this was going to be the start of him being like, well, actually, he's from New Jersey. He wears a girdle. You know, all this sort of stuff. Like, everything about this man is fake. Yeah. I'm surprised it didn't go that way. But, yeah. you know, he, he gets punched and he slides across the room. We get a great Busby Berkeley shot, you know, instead of all the dancing, but the aerial shot of everyone's, like, watching him. It slides so freeze. smoothly. Yeah, oh, it's such a away. beautiful shot. Also, underneath his wig, he... It's not like, I don't know, right? Obviously, I don't wear wigs except for with costumes, but... Yeah, when we're cosplaying. But, and I have a lot of hair and I have very thick hair. So to get my hair to lie flat underneath wig, I have to wear, you know, pink collar and wear a wig cap. He has his hair in like little bunches. I think they're supposed to be tied to the hair. You think? I think he's. I think they poke. He's like pulled it up. So I think. Hard. I think they're pulled up and poked through the wig to kind of attach because it looks like they're, they're curly and they're tied, 
and he's literally just ripped. Okay, it that makes more sense because I was like, you would shave, surely. Yeah, surely, that would be easier. Yeah, but I guess if you don't want it to move, yeah, you need something to pin it to. We cut back to the ranch, and Mona gets the call mm-hmm. that they're being shut down. You know, Earl is a better man than Charlie. He does say on the phone, he says. I am sorry. I I can't take back what I said, but I am so sorry. Mm-hmm. And you know that I don't think that. Yeah. You know, just thought it's worth noting. Much more of a, an apology than we ever get in Kinky Boots. Yes. And Dolly Parton says back, you know, we both said things we regret. Yeah. But we can Which move I on like, again, I like that, that she knows she's not perfect and you should, she goes with it. Mm-hmm. The girls are sad. One of them's going to go off to Nevada. And one of them tells Mona what Elle did. You know, that he went to Houston... He went to Austin, wherever it was, and he yeah. he tried to fight, and Mona had no idea. No. We get Hard Candy Christmas. This would be sad if the girls had any character. I feel like the whole point of this sequence doesn't work. You're sad for Mona. Mm-hmm. You're sad that kind of after three generations of the chicken ranch, she's the one that's let it fail. You yeah. know? That, obviously, I don't think that. What I mean is that's, well, that's what she's internalising at this point. Mm-hmm. But... You don't feel that sad for the rest of the characters. Just give me a song that tells me more about them and why they're here. The bus arrives to take everyone away. Love those old school Greyhound buses. And that's it. And we cut to Fred being like, well, I'm the sheriff now. And the whorehouse has been closed these past seven years. I thought we were going to get a happy ending. (laughs) There are no happy endings. (laughs) No comment. Don't even. <laughs> so he, he says, but uh, wouldn't you like to know what happened next? And yeah, we you, do go. I the was... way that you react to things is one of my favourite things. Because you, Danny writes in a physical notebook with a pen. And you were sat there holding your pen and holding your notebook and just like staring at the screen. <laughs> I thought it was finished. Was like, I'm sorry. I thought it was finished. And I was kind of like, I know I'd said that this won't be necessarily the most happy musical mm. in the world, but... No, we still this is how we're song. ending no. with like everything closed down. So we go back. The house is empty and it is really sad to look at it. Just empty. It looks like there's gun holes through the, the, the front window as well. I think it's just torn. Um... No, I know. But it, I was looking going, have people been like shooting the house? No. Like knowing it's abandoned. And yeah, Elle's coming up to kind of say his goodbyes. Mm-hmm. He's... You know, say goodbye to Joel, who's outside with everything in her U-Haul truck. You were surprised to see U-Haul as a thing in a. 49. Oh my god! Yeah, the act, the truck that they're driving is a U-Haul, and I thought that was way more modern than this. Although I suppose, you know, the film is being made in the. Yeah, maybe it's just like an anachronism. Who knows? I don't know. If you were American, tell me when was U-Haul? Uh, yeah, started. So. Elle says he loves her and he proposes, but she says no, even though she's loved him since he was 16. And we get, I will always the love you. The best moment and you're of like, my entire you, life. Again, you usually tell me the songs mm-hmm. and I'm just like looking and going, and like. Yeah, so da- I tell Danny the name of the song as soon as the music starts playing normally. But you and didn't with I didn't one. say anything and you were like, what song is this? It's like, I'm not telling you. No, what song is this? No, I'm not telling you. And I was like, this and is Dolly an official Parton song singing. singing. I, will... I should stay. And, right, can I say, for the record, I did get that it was I Will Always Love You, but I was more like... What? It's like, surely, I, I'm, have I just got this wrong? I was taking the mick. Mm. I, I honestly can't believe it, it happened, but... 
her performance is beautiful. And I do, I forgot she wrote this. And I think the thing is, obviously, Whitney Houston has has popularised this. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, rightly or wrongly, more people see this as the Whitney Houston, more people see this as the Whitney Houston version. Yeah. But I think it's beautiful here. Her performance is great. Like, it's not the best vocals. No, and it's very, very cut down. We get a verse and a chorus, but... But what I mean by not the best vocals is because she's actually performing it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see the breaking and the cracking in her voice as she starts to cry. And I think that makes it better. Yeah. That's what a musical should be, that mm-hmm. it's not perfectly sung all the time. It's actually, you know, a musical world. Yeah, she she said no to protect his prospects. And he said, no, I don't care about that. Yep. I just want you. And they get a bodyguard moment. And I wonder if the bodyguard has done that kind of lift and carry away hmm. because of its where it's taken from as its source. You told me a fun fact. Yeah, so when Burt Reynolds... Burt Reynolds is a very slim man. And Dolly Parton is not that tall. And he's not that much taller than her. So he must be fairly short. I could Google how tall he is. I'm not going to. But, you know, he's quite a lithe man. And so when he tried to pick Dolly Parton up the first time for this scene, he got a double hernia. um, Which, if you've not had a hernia before, is very, very painful. Would not recommend. Yeah. He said that every time he was in pain from then on, he would think of Dolly Parton, which is hilarious. But... I hope this was filmed like the end. Like, this is one of the last shots they've done. I think it is. Because imagine getting injured and having to film the rest of this film. Yeah. But, yeah, the, the person that carries Dolly Parton from the porch to the car is not Burt Reynolds. They got one of the stuntmen in to carry her because he had injured himself so bad. Badly. So funny. I like it's horrible that he's in pain. But it makes it's sense because when you watch her. it and you're like, it's weird that they don't focus you in don't on the face. His face. You don't at see all. his face. It makes sense. Yeah, her hair but, is in front of him the whole time. Yeah. They marry. End of story. They yeah, they marry and he runs for legis legislature. Yeah, legislator. Yeah, and he gets it. Yeah. And yeah. End of. Mm-hmm. So, what is your best song? In the best little whorehouse in Texas. Either <laughs> Sidestep yep. or um, Little Bitty Country Place. I said I Will Always Love You because it is a, a really great way to end it. Yeah. And it's an iconic song. But, you know, if we take that song out of the equation, it's Sidestep. Because mm-hmm. I have no expectation for that. I just had a blast. That sounds so good. What's your skip song? Um, Probably... The Aggie song. Fair. I liked... I like it. Yeah. But I don't know how well it would work if I listened to the soundtrack. Yeah, that's fair. I think I really enjoyed watching it. And I think it was really... You know, the choreography was great. Yeah. For me, it's 20 fans at the start. Fair enough. Just kind of goes a little too much. Yeah. That's the longest song. It is. And for me, it was just a little too much. And I think I'd skip it for that reason. Mm -hmm. Who is your MVP? See... It would just be Dolly Parton, but Burt Reynolds is so good Burt Reynolds this. is really good in this, and arguably, he's the star. He does more. Mm. I want to say Dolly Parton, because this is a musical. She sings. And, you know, we only get one song from Burt Reynolds in the version song we watch. Burt Reynolds. Yeah. But, yeah, it's got to be Burt Reynolds. I had I have no expectations of him. This is, yeah. you know, one of two things I've seen him in, and I love him. He's great. I am going to say Dolly Parton, just because I think... Fair enough. You know, she she did a really good job and her singing was beautiful. And I think 
you know, the moments that she's around, mm-hmm. she has a really great, tough exterior, but then has, like, really nice, private, vulnerable moments. Yeah. And I think that's that's perfect. Like you say, um, Burt Reynolds was fantastic in it, and yeah. I have zero expectation. Which role would you want to play in this film? Ooh, of my one female role that I get to choose from. Yeah. Yeah, well, obviously, fairly obviously Dolly Parton. She yeah. has some great songs. I, who do you think I would want to play? Before, I've, I've not done this before, but who do you think I would want to play? I don't think you'd want to be Melvin. That's who I've written. Is that actually? It's who I've written. Oh. Just, I guess you like the characters where you have a lot to do with that person. Yeah, and I think getting in the headspace, like, you know, compl- you know, like portraying so this slimy, odious, yeah. odious character would be really interesting. And I, th- I think, especially as an actor, you're like, you, you wouldn't even address the notion that you are a fraud yourself mm-hmm. you you you're blind to to kind of your deceit and i think he'd be a fun character to play that's not me saying i i agree with him uh i think he's an awful character but i think he'd be one of the most fun to play yeah i wouldn't mind playing the governor yeah i think i'd have sidestep. i'd have a lot of fun doing sidestep but the character i was most drawn to wanting to play was melvin, melvin funnily enough fair enough i understand why I hate yeah. him. He's disgusting. So we're going to go over to Instagram where 100% of the people who interacted with our poll said they liked the best little whorehouse. That's very cool. We got a simple comment this week from Elena. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Dolly. So duh. Of course, that's why she said yes. Yes, indeed. So thank you, Elena. Of course, it's Dolly. We knew that you'd be giving this one um, a glowing review. On Twitter, 12% said, no, Dolly's done better. 28% said, it's okay. 60% said, yes, best for a reason. Mm-hmm. At Drunk Theory said, best at Hoya House in Texas. I've been waiting for this one, so I hope we delivered. And we did get some really fun comments from at Jared Good who has sent me some essays. We could publish some really lovely critical essays here. Um, and I'm going to share some of some of what Jared's uh, uh, sent to me. Because yep. we unfortunately don't have forever. I, I loved reading this. And, uh, you know, it was, was so awesome to hear from you again, Jared. I love Whorehouse. And there is certainly a level of nostalgia built into that. As a kid, I would jam out to the soundtrack. And my mum was never especially concerned about me watching it, despite all the sexual content. Young Jared's least favourite number was the Aggie song, because it kept us from Dolly for so long. Fair. I've come to appreciate it more as I've grown up and seen the extended version shown in many a gay bar. I actually... Don't what think an absolute ex- <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't think it exists in any officially released way. Uh, what I like about the story is how it addresses the corrupt and performative nature of government and conservative media. The sex workers are our heroes here, and in a world where officials and representatives of the patriarchy want to take advantage of the services, they also end up being the forces that decide they want to tear them down. I wish the character of Jewel got more dimension and got a song like she does in the stage show. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with that one. I'd like to have seen more of Jewel, but she at least got more fleshing out than any of the other female characters. Yeah. A couple songs Dolly wrote for the film were cut out. One she wanted to use for Miss Mona appeared on her album Burlap and Satin as a gamble either way. Mm -hmm. The first few lyrics are so, as Dolly would say, plain, pitiful, they kind of make me laugh. Another song that actually got filmed but cut was for Burt Reynolds. My first time seeing it was on an edit of the movie cut for television. They had to edit out so much content for TV that they added this back in for time. 
you should wait till you've seen the film to watch this and it, he has linked where stallions run yeah i have i did find that yes. to show you Final point from Jared. Also bothers me that Country Radio insists on playing Hard Candy Christmas during the holidays, even though, aside from the word, the song is not about the damn holidays. It's also odd to me that the soundtrack version of that song has Dolly singing every part rather than the whorehouse girls who sing it in the film, which is especially odd when you consider that some of the song is supposed to be characters countering each other. With just Dolly singing, it's like she's singing aloud and changing her mind a lot. Mm-hmm. So uh, amazing points there. Thank you so much, Jared, because there's a lot of that I agree with, and I think you've said it a lot more succinctly than I could manage saying and I think that comes because like you say you are a fan of this one this is you know a show that means a lot to you and you've had a lot more time to dwell on it and you know form these eloquent arguments that I can't you know in an afternoon so thank you because I I, I would agree with everything about that Mm -hmm. I gave this one four stars yay I think that's all, all that is really missing for me is I want more of the girls fleshed out. If I could have shown you the extended edition, yeah. if there was any way for us to watch that, that's what we would have watched. Yeah. But unfortunately, it's kind of weirdly difficult to find weirdly things like buried, that. Weirdly yeah. buried, that, yeah. That's my one critique. What I will say is this has made me want to go and see the 2021 revival. Mm-hmm. We said it every 10 years. Yeah, so it's 2021. I, I would go see this. Don't give people... Right, there is not currently a 2021 no. revival. When we did the research, way back at the beginning of the episode... We found the trend of, you know, 10 it years. It seems to be about every 10 years. If this goes on tour, we're going to see it. Oh, yeah. This this has made me want to see it. Yeah. Which, you know, I think is a, an interesting metric. Yes, it's four stars, but I would see this live. In terms of casting... Mm-hmm. I feel like it's become a running joke. Who would we cast James Corden as? And John, John Barrowman as. as. Yeah, like yeah, those are the two running jokes. Now, there has been a lot of criticism online of where James Corden has been cast that he shouldn't be. However... A year ago, in the second episode we did, I, I said James Corden was my MVP for Into the Woods, and I still stand by that, and I like James Corden as a performer. He just has a bad habit of being cast in things he shouldn't be. I would say more so with prom than anything else. But yes, I agree with that one. Last week, we said with Jesus Christ Superstar, there was some good casting, a good Mm -hmm. place to put him. This week, I feel like he would be great casting as Melvin. Yeah. I don't think it would matter. I think it'd be hilarious for him to be like, I'm not actually Texan. I'm from England. I think it fits the character. Yeah, if he was just English. Yeah, but that's he puts funny. on his Texan voice, and I feel like he could nail that character. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, you know, I, I do think he'd be good casting for that one. John Barrowman is a bit more difficult to cast, but again, I think he would be awesome as the governor mm-hmm. doing sidestep. Yeah. I would go see a version where those two were involved. Mm-hmm. You know... Uh, so if there is going to be a 2021 film revival or a 2021 stage show and you, you're thinking of ideas, reach out. Let's get James Corden and John Barrowman involved. Yes, please. Because I'm sure I'm sure John Barrowman would say yes to it. You know, a five minute sequence where he gets to have like the campest moment. Like he'd be great. He'd, yeah, he would be great. So, yeah, four stars for the best little whorehouse in Texas. Cool. Next week. 
We are still running our poll. We want to know whether you think we should watch Descendants 2 or High School Musical 2. We are doing a sequel. I'm trying really hard. <laughs> I want people to right. vote for High School Musical 2 because I want to watch that. Yes. But yes, it is. I, I have no listeners. horse in this race. No. I will be dragged kicking and screaming, whatever wins. I'm Do sure. you know what's really funny? They just released the advert for High School, for High School Musical, Musical, the musical, the, the series, series, season two, two, where they are doing High School Musical 2. I saw, yes. I'm very excited. If you're going to do that, it's a very clever way of doing it. Yeah. And I'm sure that will be future content mm-hmm. in some capacity. We will then be moving on for our second annual Phantom Week as we'll be watching the 2004 Gerard Butler iteration of The Phantom. Yes, indeed. Which I'm excited for. Very excited about it. And we will then be going to watch Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Yes, which, which you're very excited about. I am about. very excited for. We don't have much else on the horizon, but we were very lucky that we got to book ourselves some live theatre for the end of may which is so exciting to be oh, able to say we actually can get to see this i will be very pleased so we booked in last night to go and see on the 29th of may brand new musical transferring to the west end public domain mm-hmm. i've been doing some verbatim theatre anyway of my classes i'm very excited to see this one i've had very good things it was streamed from the southwark playhouse which is where we went to see the last five years so I'm very excited to see that. But, you know, we're getting lots of rumours over here about what is opening up and uh, a few shows that we might be able to programme in, you know, for September, October time. Yeah. One of those shows, interestingly, is a live version of Bedknobs and Broomsticks. And mm-hmm. I, I learnt that that's a brand new musical, which is surprising given how old Bedknobs and Broomsticks is. Yeah. Um, but let us know, would you be interested in hearing us talk about live theatre? It's obviously you know, not the same kind of experience for you listeners because you can't necessarily access them. Uh, would that be something you were interested in hearing more of on this show as the theatres seemingly start to be opening? Mm. Is that something you, you you love us to cover? Yeah. Once in a blue moon, you know, let us know. Tweet us your thoughts. As always, you can get involved on the conversation over on Twitter and Instagram at It's a Musical Pod. Let us know your thoughts on High School Musical 2 or Descendants 2. Whatever we cover, you will see the results of the poll. Get involved. Make your voice heard and tell us why you voted for the show you did. Mm-hmm. Make sure you click that subscribe button so you're notified of all new episodes. We, we, we've been known to drop a bonus episode as a surprise yeah so if you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts on Google on Spotify on Amazon Music via the podcast section via Stitcher or via Podbean if you are subscribed you will be notified when any new episodes go live be it a planned Musical Monday episode or just a surprise bonus episode because we love you guys and if you're feeling generous why not leave us a five star review we hope you enjoyed our visit to the best little whorehouse in Texas. We will see you next week. Same bat place, same bat channel. Who knows what we'll be covering. But until that point in time... Have a magical musical Monday.